I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Welcome back to Lantern Rouge Cycling Podcast presented by Zwift, the online cycling platform that makes training fun. LR here with Benji for a race that I've always liked a lot, Vuelta Burgos. It's a five-stage stage race, finishing on the Saturday. It usually has two good mythical climbs, legendary climbs, Picon Blanco, where Remco won in 2020 when Almeida was with him on Quickstep. Sosa's done well here. Carthy won last year on Laguna Stanaya, which is the second famous climb in this race. Usually there's a nice little punchy finish too for the likes of a Gonzalo uh, Serrano type, but Movistar didn't bring him, so I don't know what was going on there. They had Valverde. But, yeah, it's it's a great little race. Um, it's also a sprint stage and a break stage and some Vuelta GC guys here as well. Most importantly for me, the Vuelta Burgos the last year has become the Vital preparation race for the Vuelta España, but also next to that, I feel like it's become my meter, my Carlos Rodriguez meter. In 2020, he got 23rd on Lagunas de Naya while domesticating for somebody. Last year, he got 14th on Lagunas de Naya while domesticating for somebody. Today, he'd start Lagunas de Naya as a domestic of Sivakov, and we'd see where he ends. And I was looking forward to see what would occur because Lagunas de Naya is the place that I was like, okay, this is a godlike talent. And, uh, who knows? We might see it today again. I remember Jay Vine came fifth on Laguna Sonia last year, and even <laughs> so, no World Tour teams <laughs> seemingly took notice. Um, but yeah, it's a what's steep, what's peculiar test. But anyway, you know what we do? Uh, we'll do what we did with uh, Tour de Polonia. So stage one was a little uphill kick, quite hard, and... It caught some riders by surprise, and Santiago Butrago, on what looked like almost an uphill sprint stage, stole a march and won, and actually took time. He put three seconds into Guerrero, Gagenhart, and Hindley. Gagenhart's always good on these finishes, with Kelderman, uh, Nibali, Van Wilder, Sivakov, Chavez, Maida, Buchmann, I'm looking back, Masnada, and Almeida lost time, like 19 seconds as well. So 19 seconds is a lot, and he lost that on the first stage. I don't know if he punctured. I tried to look it up, but GC gaps there, and Butrago's, you know, he won a similar stage in Saudi Tour. He jumped on a a sort of punchy finish and won. He's won a Giro stage now, and I was kind of like, Almeida Benji, let's assume he might have punctured. He might have. I accept that. Yeah. Let's assume he didn't. Yeah. Didn't he win Tour de Polonia two stages on similar finishes? Like, it's weird. I feel like his, he and Hayter are quite similar at the moment where you look at the profile, you're like, oh, that's really nice for his power profile. But then the positioning is too much of an issue to overcome it. Yes, yeah, certainly. Losing 19 seconds on the first stage in for... Miguel Angel Lopez as well, also kind of unexpected on a wow. on a climb like this. Well, I'd argue that should not be happening. And it happened on stage like this. Very similar to Arendsman losing time on that hill stage as well into the Polonia, for example, on a stage that 
you would expect him to not be great at, but also not lose 19-ish seconds on. So very similar parallels between those two stages. Now, I was shocked because when I saw this profile, very similar to what you just said, I thought, okay, this is a bit too steep for an uphill sprint, but a bit easy for actual punches to come out. So I didn't necessarily expect the Butrago to be able to ride away. I felt like he kind of got not lucky, but his timing was good. His was. timing was good to the point where Guerrero did not respond to his attack. He thought, okay, it's still like 700, 800 meters to go. I'll let him, I'll let him have this and I'll try and let someone else close. Then nobody closed it immediately. So they eventually all had to try and fly towards Butrago in the end. Then they came to short. So wonderful victory for Butrago. Gradually growing. We saw him do very well at the Giro d'Italia, winning that stage in Lavaro, yeah, Lavarone, second in the Conia stage as well. This is a big talent, 22 years old, and I'm expecting much more from him in the future. And Loki said he's not riding the Vuelta because you and your rule of sending the youngsters to every single Grand Tour that is existent. Is he not doing it? Unfortunately, he's not doing it according to what I can see at least. But hey, Remember they sure didn't yet. take him last year? Like yeah. It was unbelievable oh. they didn't take him last year either. Um, I don't know. And turns is off. It seems some guys are fav- favorites and some guys aren't. But he wasn't the only guy that would win a stage for Bahrain in this race. I would say Garcia Cortina is here uh, at this race. Yeah. And I think Serrano Benji, just to mm-hmm. really focus on Movistar, it is a Spanish race after all. He has 27 race days, Gonzalo Serrano. Ooh. And... Most guys have over 40 at this point of the season. Even the guys doing the Vuelta, he's not on, at least according to PCS, to do the Vuelta. I re- I don't understand what's going Injury? on. Because he oh. DNF'd Brugge de Pana and then was off the bike for three months. So I'm but, guessing but something happened. But he did Castille Ilion and he did Circuito de Getxo last week. Yeah, but three months between Brugge de Pana and Tour de Suisse means that something uh, might have happened yes, between yes, there, you know? Right. Uh, That's yes. at least how I see that. But you're right, he's performing pretty well in Casilla Leon and so forth. So this parkour would have fit him quite well. It should have been compatible with Getcho, right? Am I stupid? Yeah, 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 of course. He, he wouldn't be able to do it. It's in. It's like a two-hour drive from Burgos to from Basque Country. It's like really close. And the yep. Navarra area where Movistar headquarters is is just uh, to, the, to the east of this and south of Basque Country. Yeah, but- so it's all very close. Garcia Cortina is just a, a B-Tech Aramburu at this point, right? Like, Where is just... Aramburu, actually? He's being finishes this people's suit. I where don't know where Aramburu he? is. I feel like he's uh, on a field somewhere. He wrote Getcho, got six there. He wrote Wallonie and got the second on Muruhi behind. I don't fucking know what he's doing. Okay, that's like, what I mean. I'm not... He's in good shape. What? <laughs> this finish is perfect for him. Yeah. Anyway. Correct. We're all very confused about Movistar. But before we get to stage two, speaking of stage two, off the map, stage two is live on Swift right now. There are four stages to complete for your chance to unlock a virtual kit on Swift for your avatar, as well as the opportunity to rock a map jersey that's exclusive to people who've completed off the map, whether you're down under, and I'm going to be heading down there in... I think just over a month for the world championships. So hopefully it's not too cold or you're enjoying the end of summer here in Europe or North America off the map is perfectly placed for a little season tune up. The stages are on the hour, every hour on Zwift. So head to Zwift.com to find out more about off the map and start your free seven day trial. Uh, But stage two, of Welter Burgos was a bit of a messy. This was the, we mentioned this in the Polonia recap, the 
speed bump with like 600 meters to go on a downhill. Uh, Timo Rosen ended up winning the stage. Yumbo one, two, three. Uh, there's not really much more to say on it if you've listened to Polonia, other than it's obviously dangerous, shouldn't happen, unacceptable, and a really big shame. Um, and yeah, yeah that, that was it really. From I didn't even like what's there to even analyze about the sprint. The stage was ruined. Nothing to be analyzed about it. Just a descend with a speed bump, ruined the stage. Make sure that tons of people crash in the stage. I think there was a pretty serious injury for Damien Touze. So hopefully that guy um, pulls through that. I think head trauma after that stage. So let's hope he's relatively recovering at this very moment. The fact that Carlos Rodriguez gets fifth in that stage, that's just showing that he's still fighting to the line there, which is the only thing I can pull out of this entire stage. So let's skip this stage and let's, uh, let's head to the next one then. Stage three was a stage where, I don't know, I, I, I've ha- pick on Blanco with a descent finish. I still have issues with it. I don't know why. You have issues with that or not? They got really, really lucky that Sivakov went long. This could have yeah. been really bad. Um, so they have pick on Blanco, which is a hard like 7K, 9% climb. Usually it's a mountain top finish. As I said, Avonapol, I think, won before on it. It's a legendary climb, the White Mountain, fog on it, steep sections, technical descent in parts. And they put it 35Ks from the finish, uh, the top of it, maybe, yeah. And so it wasn't just a descent finish. There was literally flat. There was even a couple, a little hill before the finish. And so the risk is non-threatening break goes. GC guys think, what's the point? And we yeah. have a snoozer of the stage. Luckily, Sivakov launched. Ineos oh. had multiple leaders here. Rodriguez, Gegenhardt, and Sivakov. Oh, did someone go before him? This is Vincenzo Nibali, the GOAT, the son of Neptune, El Squalo de los Tretto, Erasure right here. Gegenhardt made a move. Nibali joined Gegenhardt and basically launched Sivakov. So without <laughs> Nibali, Sivakov never gets away on the stage. It's similar to RVV where Terpstra won. Nibali launched Terpstra to that victory. Get it right, people. But they're not on this team. so that's I agree, not they're not on this team, but... <laughs> Is he no Lopez on his team or are they <laughs> <laughs> maybe not? <laughs> I don't know. But yeah, Sivakov went clear. I the minute I saw him going, I was like, yeah. he must be in good shape. Because Sivakov's a tall guy. Like he's one of the unfortunate guys who's not 190 centimeters, and the TT rule really hurts the 187 centimeter guys. So it's only so much you can do with this TT tall guy. He did well in San Sebastian. When you look at Remco's watts, for him to be doing that well on Ur lights, on again, steep stuff is good. And then pick on Blanco's steep, and he's going away. And what really impressed me as well was his descending. A guy who's crashed out of the Vuelta last year when he hit a yep. tree. Now, descending is not the same as riding in a bunch in a sprint finish. That doesn't mean his bunch handling is better, but his descending is looking not just good, or not just competent, but above average. San Sebastian, he bridged across and, and dropped Lopez. Or no, no, dropped some other rides. And then San Sebastian hit, he dropped Lopez, who went with him, on yep. who didn't offer a pull at all on pick on Blanco, and then dropped him on the descent, joining the break. So that's looking really good for him. And also a template. Yeah. For going long for Ineos, they do not have, I don't know if Carapaz is going, but if they want to win the Vuelta, they need to make the most of going far using multiple guys and descending and satellite riders, etc., which could have been used on this stage to a satellite. I agree, but there's a risk there because Remco Evenepoel's in the Vuelta and is better at that thing than an Ineos rider, for example, to going long. But I will say when it comes to Picon Blanco, 
advocate of the devil right here. I felt like when I was watching Picon Blanco, Sivakov went off the front there, kind of launched by that hard and nebly thing, and eventually got a bit of a gap, and the group behind was 20-25 riders. Was it also in numbers a good climbing performance? Because I felt like people were responding and sitting up and responding and sitting up a bit in that second group for at least a few minutes. Uh, I don't think it was that mm-hmm. that fast. I think it was like 6, 4, 25. I'd have to check. 6.1. And the thing is, there was a big regroupment. So maybe the first five guys of the GC group did do fa- faster. But then at, on the plateau, when it was foggy, they stop and like you saw Mikel Biz. If you watch closely, Mikel Bizkara, Uskatel rider, yeah. he's off the back before the descent starts properly, but it's a fast drag. The guy's like fifty-five kilos, and he you hear the motorbike say to him, um, "Do you want a tow?" And then he <laughs> says, "Yeah." Flicks his head and says, "Get in front." And then the guy literally drags him. <laughs> like it's not just like oh, you know, when Lefebvre had it was complaining about the Spanish motors helping in San Sebastian. Um, this literally they did it on camera and it was from the motor's <laughs> camera that he was feeling that does it's so funny so yeah maybe that like maybe his car did like 5.9 so not not super super fast i would say though education first had at least three maybe four bora had buchman hindley kelderman and it was just sivakov out in front and I have no idea how they didn't bring him back. Now, Sivakov was strong, but the coordination between Bora, EF, and any of the other teams was really poor. It was one guy would go to the front, pull, and then get mad that none of the other teams were helping. It was the opposite. You know when the sprint teams all send two each and they coordinate in a TTT? It's the opposite of that. And the gap was, I think, out to 40 seconds. And as I said, it's a long false flat. And they couldn't bring him back. And they spent Carthy, and he lost time, helping Chavez and Guerrero on GC. But then Chavez would struggle today. So I was surprised they couldn't bring back more on Sivakov, Benji. Because you'd have to think you had a chance of doing something on Laguna tonight. I was really surprised. Does uh, does it make sense that you also got a kind of a, a thing there when it comes to Bora, where they have Hindley, Buchmann, Kelderman, probably all three trying to ride for their own GC? Or did we see explicitly on Picon Blanc already that one of those three was folding into it almost equal for another? Well, if Bookman's not going to take a pull for Hindley in the Giro, I don't think he's going to start here. So, <laughs> I mean, maybe he did pull. I, actually, that's I swear I saw Hindley pulling a lot on the flat uh, as well. For and his own GC, probably. Yes, yes. Um, so that was a bit strange. Obviously, Ineos had Gagenhart and, and Rodriguez sitting in. They didn't really mess up the chase too much. Uh, Santiago Petrago had no teammates pretty much except Pernsteiner, and so he was just kind of hoping they'd bring it back. But yeah, EF had Caicedo, Carthy, Guerrero, and Chavez, and maybe picked the wrong horse. Bora three and and couldn't bring it back. So Sivakov... He catches up to the break. He drops two of them, I think Rapper or another guy, and he dropped yep. Lopez on the descent, as I said. Catches up with Bastien Tronchon, a French rider, Stagiaire, probably signed it four days ago or less. Uh, yeah. with Or three days before with Azure 2R, 20 years old. And he's been in the break. And this is what I was always th- I've been thinking about since this stage, uh, or maybe too much. He plays it so smart at 20 years old, and it made me think, is race composure 
can it be taught or do writers just have it and they can't be taught? Like there's some writers who are like, oh, he'll figure it out. Like he won't keep making the mistakes. He won't keep choking finishes in groups of three or four. Or there's writers like Tronchon was refusing to pull Sivakov. Sivakov was abusing, not abusing him. He was like saying, come on, <laughs> take a fucking pull. And Tronchon was like, nope, nope, I won't pull until after the hill. And then after the hill, he gives Sivakov like a the softest one little courtesy pull and he knows he's got a decent finish and Sivakov's not that fast. He knows the gap is 40 seconds. Other stagiaires, Benji, would have been compelled into pulling. Question, a random question surrounding that. We often talk about French teams like Ajdezer and Groupama being ones that don't look after Aero that much, that aren't necessarily looking into the marginal gains for their riders as much as a team like Ineos and Yumbo and so forth do. But we see that the development team of Groupama and Ajdezer are so bloody strong. Is it that their development team is like much further to the point where their youngsters are getting better at that stuff than their World Tour riders? Or is there just a random comment that you think is stupid? Well, maybe they have a better pool of talent. Maybe it's a self-fulfilling prophecy where if you keep getting guys World Tour contracts, the best talent is going to want to sign with you yeah. for the Conti team. And isn't the FDJ Conti run by Australian or a British guy? Um, you want to take credit already? Is yeah, it run by an Australian uh, guy? He says Australian. He's, <laughs> pro, he's probably French. Um, but let's just run with him being Australian, given that Plowright's there or was there. Um, I don't know. I don't know the answer. But Tranchon showed really, really good poise and stuff that you see other riders with 10 years' experience making mistakes and pulling too much when they don't need to. And he wins the stage as a stagiaire ahead of Sivakov in the sprint, Valverde leading the group over behind. That means Sivakov was able to take the jersey, 23 ahead of Butrago, 26 ahead of Guerrero. So he just had to defend that on Laguna Stanaya uh, in a couple of days. The next stage, stage four, was a breakaway stage again. Uh, I don't know if Govacar's a stagiaire, but there were two young riders in the break. Uh, the break consisted of Goldstein, Seri, Gamper, Asprin, Luis Mas, uh, Barcelo, Hofstede, Martin, and Gaviria, as well as Retalo, Valentin Retalo, who is a stagiaire, another one on Ajitouar, and Govacar, who's a Slovenian on Byron Victorious Young Sprinter, 22 years old, and he's already got like, I don't know, like a ninth at Tour of Slovenia, and he beat Medzgetz in a reduced bunch sprint in the Slovenian National Champs. Like, he's not slow. And yep. it was a little uphill finish. What was curious to me, Benji, mm-hmm. again, this is another thing about race tactics, composure, etc. Patrick Gamper and Asperin are time trialers. This is a 2K, 4.5% finish. Were the two young guys underrated because they haven't done anything at pro level yet? Even though a cursory look at their results in U23, and not even U23, uh, for Govacart, suggests these guys are fast. Why are the two time trialers starting attacking at like five Ks to go, four Ks to go, when the gap was four and a half minutes and the climb is at two Ks to go? Ah, I don't know. You'd expect, like, are you saying you'd expect them to go later or earlier? Way earlier. Yeah, right? Because there there was only time for like, Gamper went, nearly snapped the elastic. Asprin went, that nearly went, and then they're at the base of the climb. If there was a couple of moves from Gamper and Aspirin again, 
I don't think they get brought back. I agree with that, actually. I think when it comes to Gumper, it's a bit like, I swear there's been staged in his younger years when he was like, still 20, 21, 20, 22, those like years where he had a bit of a kick and breakaway. So maybe he overrated that, that aspect, but you're right, he's more of a Rulert type rider these days in those kind of senses. So I agree they should have gone earlier and they basically... I think there's also the aspect that Govekar is underrated. Like, he hasn't proven himself yeah. at pro level yet. So I think it's a combination of both, if I have to be honest. Camper should have started at 10Ks to go, and I think he wins this stage. He spent a lot of energy. Like, it's, it's always curious to me when, and you never see Kamna doing it, when the gap to a peloton five wide do not care about the stage is three and a half minutes with 8Ks to go, and guys are still rolling through, and they take the gap to four and a half. I'm like, why? Like, you, you guys are going to win easily, and the time trialers should be trying to get rid of the punchy guys. Like, Gamp is like 195 centimeters, big guy, and he, like, they really struggled to bring him back, uh, and he only had time for one attack. But anyway, that's what happened. They then go six wide on the climb. Uh, Goldstein, I think, was uh, pretty good on the climb, He, but he wasn't able to like set a hard enough pace it wasn't steep enough um seri i thought would try something but asprin and gamper the tt guys were uh they were dropped Louis mass who's a bit punchy he tried to attack at 500 to go promptly blew up <laughs> and it was the two youngsters perhaps underrated Gov- uh, retalu uh jumping really good uh initial burst but govacar was smart again sat on his wheel sat on his wheel and then had his last burst and his interview afterwards suggested again he's pretty smart and knew what he was doing and the two young guys basically clown everybody because i think this could have this could have played out a lot a lot differently in terms of gc absolutely nothing happened really um so govacar he's slovenian he's on bahrain they're going to put a lot into him like he's going to get a lot of opportunities um i don't know it's just a nice win i guess and i hope the two edge to (laughs) our guys get a world tour contract next stage Luganes Denaya, the last three kilometers are very, very steep. Uh, the first sort of three or four are not as steep or undulating. And Sosa's done well here. Lopez has done well here. It was, the question was, could Sivakov be dropped? And by guys close enough on GC, like Ruben Guerrero, like Lopez, Almeida had already lost too much, Hindley. And the answer was no. Ineos set a good train. Deplus looked very good. Chris Harper attacked. Jersey unzipped on the 5% section. And then Miguel Angel Lopez went at 2.5Ks to go. At that point, Almeida, this is when the steep stuff starts. Almeida starts doing Almeida things, setting his own pace. And it was clear. Lopez attacked above his limit. Rodriguez brought him back with Sivakov. And Almeida just did exactly what he did on Blockhouse Benji. Same pace, whole time. Yeah. But this was next level compared to Blockhouse. On Blockhouse, he was dropping with eight to nine riders left, and those were the GC favorites, perhaps even seven riders left on there. But when I was watching the stage, I was watching it. I was I was literally watching Almeida this entire climb. And I it's it's just a thing I did on this stage, and I felt like it was intriguing because I was curious what he was going to do on a climb that is shorter than a blockhouse, for example. The steep section is only three kilometers long, but I feel like the exponential gradient of this climb starting off at a lower gradient going steeper and steeper might make it easier for that strategy to work out and i spotted him at three three and a half k to go already at the back 
dropping with 20, 25, 30 riders left in the group. And I thought, okay, for this strategy to be a thing, that's that's really kind of early. But rider by rider, he started passing riders. And we're talking about random first-yary domestiques on, on climbing teams at that point in the race. And again, three kilometers to go, extra rider gets dropped. He gets past them. He's even in second and third groups for certain moments. He just controls his own pace and passes riders. And the more you go towards the finish line of the stage, the closer he gets, the closer he gets. We had a startup pacing early on on the climb for legend Vincenzo Nibli. Definitely not for Miguel Angel Lopez, of course, because Vincenzo Nibli is the GOAT. It's probably for Lopez. But Ineos took over, and we basically had a, a chasing game. Eh? Ineos pacing at the front. We had Gegenhardt sitting in the wheel of Carlos Rodriguez. Oh, who he was, was doing dropped. The pacing. When Lopez and attacked, then, he was dropped. Yeah, exactly. So Sivakov basically switched to the wheel of Carlos Rodriguez, and we had a game between Carlos Rodriguez pacing at the front with Sivakov in the wheel, with people trying to attack that Ineos train, and Almeida off the back, passing rider by rider, closing in. And I was like, are Ineos going to fadire themselves again? I've made that a verb. Are they going to pace mm-hmm. too hard? <laughs> and then Sivakov, who was pacing on fadire, is Henley going to mug them? The answer was no. Hindley didn't have uh, his top shape, but this is a preparation race. He was dropping. Chavez was dropped early, and it looked. And Carthy came top ten on the stage, but so both of them kind of lose out because Carthy lost time on stage three. Uh, and yeah, Carlos Rodriguez, fantastic performance. He like Sivakov even attacked him with Lopez in the wheel, which maybe was unnecessary at one point. Um, it was quite far from the finish, maybe 1,200, 1,300 meters to go. And yeah, Almeida worked his way back to that group with about 600 left. Rodriguez still pacing and Almeida attacks with like 300 to go. Only Lopez can go with him. Sivakov is gapped. He loses seven seconds, but that's not enough. And yeah, really good burst from Almeida. And we know against like a Quintana or well, I'm not sure if he even beat Higuita and Boitol in Catalonia, but he's he's fast finisher and he dusts Lopez in the sprint easily. Great win for him ahead of Lopez. Sivakov third. Carlos Rodriguez fourth. Really good. Van Wilde fifth for quick step. So that's very, very important for Avonapol for the Vuelta. Uh, Guerrero sixth. Hindley seventh. Elisande, a nice performance. Eighth. Carthy's always good on steep ninth. And then Kelderman tenth. GC Sivakov wins 35 seconds ahead of Almeida. Lopez uh, third. Uh, Rodriguez fourth. Van Wilde fifth. And. Yeah, pretty good result for Almeida. Pretty good from Sivakov. I think, what does this say for the Vuelta? I have no idea. Hindley, Almeida, Sivakov, Rodriguez. How do they each, where's their form lines? Are they going to do altitude after this? I don't know. Carlos Rodriguez should be co-leader at else at the Vuelta, 100%. I don't trust Sivakov completely for the Vuelta. Mate, what can Rodriguez do on a 7% climb? Well, what can Sivakov do on, on a Grand Tour? He's never proven to be able to do it for three weeks in a row. Nah, he's good. Sivakov's on. The leader should be Sivakov and Plap. Ah! Plap, like, Rodriguez, <laughs> just be a domestique. Let's, nah, like, nah. His TT's no good, is it? Nah, it's a pretty good TT, mate. Carlos Rodriguez can TT. Mm, not convinced. Not convinced. <laughs> why? Did, why did he get? Where was He's he got a on? The Vuelta, mate. Where? Why did he get dropped today? That's my question. On terrain, he was not sticking for Sivakov. <laughs> nah, I don't know. 
I don't know. I think I think they've got to use multiple options because yeah, yeah uh, Carapaz is supposedly off. I wouldn't take Carapaz. Um, I would just let the young guys run loose and see what happens. But it's a bit of chaos. <laughs> Almeida's going to be... Pagancha's not doing the tour. I think that's confirmed, right? So Almeida will be going to the welter. The climbs really, really suit him. The parkour really, really suits him. Um, so podium, podium should be the minimum really expectation for Almeida. I think he would have been in with a shot of podium in the Giro. I don't know how he goes in very, very hot conditions, uh, but these climbs in the, in the Vuelta just suit him so much. Yeah, I think so as well. Like it's indeed very difficult to anticipate where he's going to finish, but that's with a lot of people in this Vuelta. We don't know how far Roglic is going to be when it comes to his recovery to the Vuelta. For example, is he riding the Vuelta? We don't know his back injury healing process. I don't know what to trust when it comes to sources. Then uh, Remco Evenepoel, will he be able to succeed for three weeks in a row? You say he's yes. going to win the, the Vuelta. That's possible. I don't disagree that it's impossible. There's just so many question marks with every single leader. Hinley dropping today off the wheel of Sivikov. Is that good because it's too early to peak? I don't know. Is Sivikov peaking too early in Burgos? Is he cursed now? I don't know. I just know that Carlos Rodriguez will put him this Vuelta and there's nothing you can do about it. Um... I don't know about that. The uh, maybe the steeper Sierra Nevada. There should be decent gaps. But yeah, I think even a pole is actually going to walk it. Like I think it's not. Gonna, <laughs> I actually don't think the world. How many minutes drink. that he wins the world to buy? Yeah, at least two. Okay, that's walking. <laughs> that's a, yeah. that's a walking. Uh, my only concern is that quick step will be like. Well, in the Giro 2021, he did too much in the first week. Yeah. So we should try and be really defensive in the first week, even though the, the whole first week parkour is much better for him and Roglic yeah. might be underprepared and Hindley always comes into own in week three. Uh, that's my concern, is that they'll tr just talk themselves into a stupid strategy. But Van Vilder looks really, really good, so that's important too. And this is a steep climb. It'll be better for him on the 6-7% stuff. What if Van Vilder turns out to be better? And even a pool at the Vuelta. No, that's just mathematically <laughs> impossible. <laughs> mathematically so, impossible, okay. <laughs> also, like, that's not in the uh, quick step planning book, is Evenepoel being, yeah, subordinate to Alan Van Wilder. So even if he is better, he's not allowed to be better. Um, yeah. Yeah, it's impossible. Anyway, Volta Burgos, good win for Sivakov. That's his first win since 2019, maybe, when he won Tour de Polonia. So been three years or four, this is it four seasons? Almost, so he's back in in winning ways. Still a youngish How rider. Is he twenty five? Because like it's been so long since Sivakov was around. I swear we were scouting him, or at least looking at him for when I was playing pro cycling manager back in the day at the PC, uh, the BMC development team. It's been like so long since he's been around, and he's been to Ineos. Then took a few years now. He was great at that Dauphiné and. 2020, I think, before the Tour de France started. Very strong together with Castelvejo there. We thought, okay, Sivakov might be very strong in this Tour de France. And then he crashed on day one like 17 times. And eventually, I don't even know if he finished that Tour de France at this point, but had a lot that of bad the, luck. That was these fucking breaks, wasn't it? The clip where he was like on the knee stage. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's saying, he's like, these fucking breaks. <laughs> I can't do a phrase, <laughs> Frank, his French accent. Um, but yeah. He, I remember that poor guy hey, couldn't stop. Do you think Sivakov is going to be the first French rider to win a World Tour stage race in X amount of years? I mean, 
Why not? Why not? The problem is the, the TT. Pro- yeah, the Welter, no. The problem is the TT. And I guess if he can, if they can send him to the right one, uh, will, direct, will France claim it? France should claim it. They're, they're not going to claim anything else otherwise. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I mean. Anyway, Champoussin not looking too good. I think that guy's <laughs> out of contract. Probably hoping for a big contract. He came, I think, like 20th on the Gunas So, yeah, that's not great. Anyway, that was Wilson Burgos. We've got a transfers recap coming up in the next couple of days. Make sure you check out off the map events on Zwift, and we'll see you either on Monday or Tuesday. Until then, ciao. Why don't more infant formula companies use organic, grass fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com.